Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast and happy birthday to our guest, Steve Aoki. Welcome to the show, my friend, and happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's um, time flies, man. You know, time really does fly. It's crazy how fast how fast it is to, that we get to where we are in our lives. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy. I'm a lot, reflecting a lot today. I, I think you've used that time just about as well as anybody in performing history. So there's a lot to yeah. feel good about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, you know, it's, a. Uh, you know, there's so many more years that I want to have a very healthy, active life. That's like what I've been thinking about in yeah. the last, I'd say in the last 10 years, last 10 years made major efforts and strides and really understanding my body, uh, my mind, my spirit, and how to really optimize it as, as efficiently as possible. So you, you do perform so much all around the world. You're constantly traveling. How do you keep good energy and stay on top of things so that you can, you know, put out your best effort during the sets? Well, when you're when you're like doing this at when you're like younger and you're doing this you you could literally pound your body to the pavement and it rebounds you know i mean the it, like when you're younger your cells are just they're just like more you know they 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 just heal faster you just recover like you know like like a superhero but um obviously as you get older things start aching things start creaking um and I'm still playing, I'm still playing and performing at the same level that I, I was when I was uh, in my 20s and 30s, or early 30s. So um, like now it's just that that wear and tear of repetition, um, you have to be mindful of that. It's just like, uh, for example, you know, I had surgery on my shoulder um, because cause I was, I was, you know, I'm caking people, right? People don't realize it's very similar to like um, a pitcher's injury. You know, I had the same kind of rotator cuff injury as what pitchers usually get. But this, but pitchers usually don't get it. Professionals don't get it because uh, they they warm up, and I never warmed up. Right, you know, I never doing it in the up. middle or end of sets. Yeah, well, I just don't think about like warming up my arm before I go play a show. You know, just, I'm playing a show. I'm just you know. So I once I started thinking my of myself as an athlete, then things really started to change where I can I, I started thinking more about longevity, more about stamina, more about uh endurance and and health management and body management and muscle management and you know, just just ever like all things management, you know, like I, I didn't I didn't like I I ran ragged for like the first ten. And then now in my, in my, this, this bracket of 10 years, it's, it's been a major difference and change and it's allowed me to be a hundred percent at my shows, you know? So, Makes um, sense. you know, it's always, it's always about figuring out the life hacks and, um, you know, I think for the most part, most people always have to, um, it takes time to get there. You don't just like you know, you just become an athlete and then you learn all the tricks. Like you have to go, Oh, okay. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. And after years and years of experience, I figured it out. You built, built those habits too. 
That's that's yeah. sharp though. I I think it's a probably sage advice that everyone should treat themselves like an athlete in terms of aiming for longevity. And you sound now like the LeBron James of DJing. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm definitely um I mean the thing is is that I could easily just play and just stand there. You know? Yeah, but I just I can't help myself. Yeah. I have to I like the music moves me. You know, so like I and I love and and I'm an entertainer. You know, I'm not just a DJ. Like I love to entertain. I yeah. want to engage. I want to connect with as many people in in not in not in a midway. Like the, I am like a, I am fearful of mid. Like I just yeah. I, I hate mid. Yeah, I hate yeah. mid. So for <laughs> me, it's like I need to be like I want to at least hope to be extraordinary as you know, in my mind, like, can I get there? And if I can get there and then people are like, Oh my God, that was a fucking crazy show. Yeah. Like, my I best friend got kicked in the face. This happened. You know what I mean? Like I, I, that's the kind of reaction that I want them, want my fans or people that come see my show to feel. Um, and I just, I hate mid. I just, I just can't stand it. So I can't just, like, I can't help myself. I'm always, like, you know, rubbing myself up to be like, fuck, we're going to fucking power through this shit. We're going to we're gonna really, like, provide that experience, that, like, over-the-top experience, you know? That that energy is what creates those lifelong memories, which is what what any entertainer is shooting for, right? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah how, with the cake throwing, how are you able to be so phenomenally accurate with your throws. Um, so that's just, that's just like, you know, time, time and experience, you know, <laughs> I, I've been caking the first, the first cake would be, I, I think is like, we try to document it because there's a YouTube video of it, like in May of 2011. So, I mean, I've been caking for 13 years. Yeah. You know, it's like, what? 10,000 hours you've you've hit your 10,000 cakes 20,000 cakes 20,000 cakes well i mean i do 200 minimum 200 shows a year 10 shows a 10 10 cakes a show wow that's a lot of cakes yeah so it's like it's it's like somewhere between 20,000 and up so it's i mean you know it's get it's get good after doing it um there's no practicing you know it's not like i have like a uh, you know, like I don't have a time to like throw cakes at a wall and hit a target. Right, right. Clearly, there, there's no warming up. No, but you know, you just figure it out over time. So, in the last few years, you dove all the way into collectibles. I don't know if you were in it before, like right around the beginning of of you know 2020 or so. But what was the thing that got you in, and were you at all a collector, you know, before these last couple of years? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, when I was a kid, I got into collecting cards, you know, like, like, I think every kid, like, you know, especially in America, it's like, it's just part of growing up, you, you know, I, I mean, I was so young, I was probably like fourth, fifth grade or something like that, collect cards and trade cards, you know, like different sports cards, but I, I only did it for a couple of years, but that definitely collecting cards and trading them definitely sparked something in me uh, you know like that that was the spark of me becoming a collector without even realizing it 
because later on in like my teen years, you know, you collect things that, that you can afford, right? You're a kid. So for me at that time, I was like comic books were, were another thing that was fun to collect and they were cheap. They're like, like $2, you know, like, so I would collect only Wolverine. Like I have like the, like I would just, every Wolverine issue came out, I I would, I would collect it. And I almost like, after a while I stopped reading them. I was just like, I just want to get the next issue. And then from there went to vinyl. And um, cause I got so deep into music at like my tween years, like uh, 14, 15, I, I dove head first into punk and hardcore. And part of the lifestyle of being a punk and hardcore kid is, is, um, having a vinyl collection, you know, like, and, and it's almost like baseball cards. Like I would be like, yo, I got the limited pressing of, uh, the Gorilla Biscuits record. Like, ha ha, I got the yellow vinyl. You don't have the yellow vinyl you have, you know, it's really similar. It's a very similar kind of feeling, but in recent years, vinyls have taken off, especially the iconic sealed ones. Exactly. Exactly. So I got into vinyl and I, I've collected vinyl for you know, all the way to my, my, till I graduated from college. And I remember through college, I would like, my friends would leave, like my older friends would like, would graduate. They're like, I can't, I can't take these, this vinyl with me. It's just bulky. It's like a lot of vinyl. I'm like, give it to me, give it to me. And soon <laughs> like literally five or six or seven different friends collections. And I was like, I'll take care of it. If you don't want it, I'll take care of it. If you want it back, I'll give it to you, whatever, you know, like, and, um, and I, I have all these, like, you know, just like, it, like, there's no, you know, to, to me, it wasn't about financial value. It was more like, I love, like, I just loved collecting certain things and yeah. a lot of them. And then fast forward, you know, to COVID and fast forward through my crazy life of just success through DJing and now having this house where, you know, I moved to Vegas, this is before COVID, I moved, I moved to Vegas. And I was like, I want to build my compound dream house. And it's really a collectibles house. It's like you, you walk into my house, there's like rare toys. Um, there's a whole, like, I have a whole room of all my sneakers and shoes and, and rare, you know, collaborations and all that fun stuff. I have a whole vinyl room. I have a whole book room. I have like, everything is like sorted out and organized. <laughs> collect It's a collectibles dream home. That's insane. And that's basically what I built. And during COVID, it was a perfect time to really sink my teeth into this home and go and just like sit in these rooms and go, fuck, like I now it all makes sense to me. Like it all has a place. And um, and then, you know, I met I met, um, you know, I, I, I'm really close with Dan Fleischman, who we started Cards and Coffee. Yep. He introduced me to Gary V and he introduced me to a bunch of other card people like uh, Josh Luber and, and Jason Coons and, and like this group. And they just onboarded me on into sports cards in like, and I just became a fiend. I became like, like, you know, a did degenerate, you know, I was just like buying millions and millions of dollars of cards in the course of a few years. Wow. And, and then I was like, sports cards, like, okay, I'm doing all sports. I want all the goats. So I went after all the goats, you know, baseball, Mickey Mantle, PSA six, uh, 52 tops to, you know, um, on the basketball, um, you know, got the, got the LeBron PSA 10. I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Jordan PSA 10, 86 Fleer. I got all the other goats, you know, um, 
I went through all the different sports and just like try to get like the goats of what I could, you know, what I was, what was a goat for me. And then Pokemon was, was a next surge of interest. And I, and I, I was like, I want to go for the, the, the grails of Pokemon. I was opening up these Pokemon boxes. I went in and spent $420,000 on an illustrator. Um, I mean, it's as good as it gets card wise. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm spending like six figures on, on cards at this point. This is a year into COVID. And, um, I want the, the goats of, uh, of, I want the biggest girls of Yu-Gi-Oh, biggest girls of magic, the, the biggest girls of Dragon Ball. I was just going through every TCG. And then, you know, as a creator, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm like always creating. Um, and whenever I go into an industry, I want to create, I want to be a part of the industry, not just uh, a customer of the industry. So, you know, I was looking for different TCG companies during this time to partner with or to potentially start an IP with. And I was talking to a few of them. Um, I talked to Flesh and Blood. Like, I was like, wow, what a, what an incredible brand. Like, I thought the IP was incredible. And I love what they're doing. And it just felt like it was like uh, Magic the Gathering world view of how, how you know, that they were presenting their cards. And I thought it was really cool. Uh, really great people that I talked to over there. And I talked to um, MetaZoo. I talked to Mike Waddell and, and, uh, and then he told me his IP about cryptids and the world of cryptids, cryptids and, and keeping them in all in this, this universe, yeah. building this universe together. And, uh, that, that just resonated to me immediately. I was like, this is more of a world that, cause I'm more, if I, if, if you choose, if I was to be able to choose between Pokemon, the world of Pokemon, world of magic, two, two, two massive worlds in the TCG space. Yep. I'm definitely more Pokemon, you know? Makes sense. I respect yeah. magic, but I'm definitely more Pokemon. And I like how Pokemon built their IP and, and like the, the, like, you know, it's like you got movies, TV shows. Magic is really game-based. It's very strategy-based. It's not really about like the movies and like the TV series and things like that. And like Pokemon the other. Yeah. Pokemon is like, you can build like, so many verticals of business and it's it's and and it really touches so many people's hearts and minds so i felt like metazoo had the same kind of trajectory and and then i um partnered with mike became a co-founder of metazoo um and launched you know launched metazoo to scale to a larger audience and 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 saw that business and saw that ip and the community grow in an extraordinary way, uh, you know, like happy to say we like, we, you know, our gross revenue was like over $40 million and by the end of 2022. So as a, That's as a, brand, I, for a new property, yeah, usually it, it really is. It really is. And, and the community is so just, they're, they're so excited about, you know, the, the new cryptids that, that we're introducing and the whole world of MetaZoo is just very rich and abundant of, of like very, you know, just very interested people. So it, it, that was really exciting to be a part of that. And um, all along that, this, this, uh, this exciting um, journey into collectibles, into cards, because now cards became everything, you know, like before I was like toys and art and shoes and, comics and vinyl and books and whatever now it's like 
90% of what I care about is carts. Actually, 99%. <laughs> Literally everything became carts. Um, NFTs is probably 10%. No, maybe 20%. So 80% was carts. Um, and and then, uh, you know, I'm writing my album. I'm producing my album, Hero Quest 1. Um, and, you know, just figuring out how I want to build this IP. Because whenever I think about my albums, I look at them as as worlds. Um, and previous to Hero Quest, I did Neon Future and I did four albums under Neon Future and created this whole science tech music kind of conglomerate world that I I ended up making a comic book with Tom Bilyeu, um with the Neon Future concept. But I love being able to build a universe like we did with MetaZoo. And so Hero Quest became its own universe and uh, MetaZoo supported Hero Quest with cards for the first year. So last year we did like we did the uh, two different sets of cards and they were both successful runs and really, really happy about that and really loving the medicine community for supporting HeroQuest. And, and now we're branching off on our own and HeroQuest will have its own trading card set and own universe. Because uh, it's not a cryptid, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily make sense with the MetaZoo world of cryptids. It's it, yeah. HeroQuest is is a fantasy world um, that you know that I came up with and and, and wrote a two hundred sixty page book for the past year. Like this this year, I wrote a book with uh, Jim Kruger that's going to be dropping in twenty twenty four with the first card set. Love so it. I, I'm so excited about this. I'm like you know, you know, we talked about this. Like creating IP is like it, it's it's like this is like something that I love. I love 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 passionately love doing. Oh, I'm so I'm so happy for you, man. And it's true. There isn't, you know, like growing up, everybody wants to, you know, create their own worlds. And so few people get the chance to actually do that in creating yeah. intellectual property that actually can be held in, in people's hands. And it's funny, I, I see a very direct correlation to the way that you're talking about the v sealed vinyls and the vinyls that you're collecting growing up. You know, obviously over time music has changed everything is everything is digital now so people don't get to hold music anymore but through creating things like this you can actually bring that back in what is a new way for collectors uh, yeah which I think is is really fun and maybe an unintended uh you know uh happen happening uh because that that aspect of it is is very exciting to me because Usually, uh, it's companies that are launching intellectual properties and not the actual right. artistic talent themselves. So right. that that right. too makes this very interesting. I think I, I think that's the thing with what happened with COVID is that you know there was there's a lot of brilliant ideas out there, but it takes it takes a village to put it together. That's why these larger institutions can build these IPs because they have the money, they have the backing, they have all, they can risk the exposure of, of loss. And, right. um, and MetaZoo launched because it was a, it was like a crowdsourcing Kickstarter uh, startup, you know? I mean, that's how it launched because they were like, okay, we need the community to support us because Mike Waddell was just him. And, and he got Kickstarter to support and, and let the crowd sourcing ability to see it, 
if you believe in it, it will happen. And that, yeah. that's, I love that. Okay. I love that. And with Hero Quest, this is based on my music, right? So I'm, that's where like this, there's a different kind of, uh, kind of, there's a different kind of a uh, point of, uh, of where it starts. Because like for me, um, I'm, I put my heart and soul, everything I got into my music, but I love, I love collectibles. So now I can, I can use my music as the platform, as, as the starting point to be able to launch something and, and really bridge between my fans in, in, you know, my global audience around the world and all the fun stuff we're going to be doing with that, you know, and, and the whole collectible card community, which is, you know, is also massive. So you have like two different worlds and finding this fun bridge between them is, is actually the, the most exciting part of all this, you know? Totally. Connecting. I mean, you, you know this as well as anybody, you, you know, you compare uh, specific moments and connecting in-person events to uh, iconic collectibles. Nobody did it, you know, really before mid to late 90s Pokemon with their promotional cards. Uh, they did drawing contests, they did send-in contests, they did tournament uh, cards, all, all sorts of different things. And nobody's really done that for music. Uh, so that's, it. I remember you were, you were telling me on the phone the other day, just the potential ways to integrate this with actual in-person concerts and things of that nature. Right. Yeah. I mean, I learned a lot, you know, not to digress here, but you know, I have a AO keepers community in the, in the web through space and the way we're able to reward people that join the AO keepers community was by doing in real, you know, like in real event kind of, uh, you know, uh, reward. So like, you know, if you get to a certain level, you, you can come to shows, at, you can come to like a certain amount of shows. And if you get to a certain level, you can make a song with me. So <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. actually I'm on Hero Quest 2. There's two songs I made with two members of AO Keepers community. Really? So yeah, yeah. And it's, wow. it's, uh, and I became friends with them. They came to my studio, they come to my house, they come to my shows. We're like, you know, like, and we're like, you know, we're like friends. We're really good friends now, you know, like, and went went from fans to friends and to 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 uh, collaborators. Um, so I think in that same tone, that's exactly what I want to do with HeroQuest. Um, and since we have a digital component, not just physical cards, which uh, like for me, physical cards are everything. Uh, but the digital card community is actually quite large, and it's really exciting because I'm also an NFT guy too. So kind of makes sense to do that, anyways. And to be able to do these fun activations and fun kind of Easter eggs and scavenger hunts around the world where I'm playing at Tomorrowland and you could find, you have to find a cosplay, uh, you know, player that, a cosplay um, person that, that's dressed in a certain faction that's standing in the crowd. He has 50 physical cards that are the Tomorrowland promo cards. And then on the screen, there could be a QR code floating, you know, behind me. And if you if you snag that, you you can maybe get something digital. So I like to be able to bring both in, and you know, just like you're saying with the Pokemon promo cards. What I love about Pokemon is like, you know, they're like incentivizing people that are like, well, if you if you get all ten promo cards, you get this other card. You know, I love that the gamification of that and like yeah. bringing fun in the journey of that. So. You know, we're, we're, we have like a pretty, 
like we've already have a pretty pretty uh robust uh roadmap of all the different events the different things i'm doing around the world and um and the good thing about the digital cars is like it's it's a lot it's, it's very easy to trade you know okay. it's very, i mean obviously you can see it's easy to trade uh, trade on the physical side uh too but you know it's like uh I, I saw yeah yeah it's really i i do think the future uh will require everything to be both um yeah yeah i think um that's why i love working with colex because they like when they like for their other cars they've done like they did the the hero cards with dc um they every card is a unique card and on the back of the card, so on the back of the HeroQuest card is a QR code. And then you could scan that and it goes into your leaderboard. It goes into your, it goes into your wallet, you know, on, on the, in the HeroQuest universe, the digital universe. So you have your physical card and then you have, you also have a way to flex and, and share and trade and buy and sell on the digital side too. So um, I think. I'm surprised that that the bigger IPs haven't integrated that in, you know, like, like you know, I've been, I'm surprised Pokemon hasn't done that or or Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic hasn't done that, you know. Um, yeah. But I think that is that's something that really excited me, really, um, you know, when when I was figuring out what I was going to do with the Hero Hero Quest trading card set and partnering up with which partner, you know. Um, I was like, that, that's that's awesome for me. That's like that's something I really want to do. And then plus, Carter Mooney's doing all the printing and and uh, handling all that stuff. So it's like we have like a great printer um, uh, and manufacturer for uh, HeroQuest. It's so exciting, man. So the uh, HeroQuest Two Collector's Edition, which I ordered. Tell me what I got and what anybody else can can order if if it's still available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it ends. If you're putting this up today, um, it, it's a. I, I, I'm really happy we we're able to do this. It ends today, eleven thirty, November thirtieth, okay. my birthday, at yeah. eleven thirty p.m. And it's a, the box run is eleven thirty. So got it. Very, <laughs> so very. Yeah, I'm happy that we're able to put that together. Um, uh, you get this book here. Nice uh that that's uh this, this is like the first kind of sample so um you know it's like 260 pages that me and jim kruger wrote it's like graphic novel. um get the story of hero his quest and then eventually this is hero and then like this this antagonist appears hyro so <laughs> it's like, love it let's go yeah so, yeah so we get you get this book like the art's pretty sick yeah it does look sick looks clean yeah um and you get the book uh but i think what everyone wants is the cards because uh there are the chases there's there's to be four cards that will be included in each box there's a it's a 12 card set and there are one one of ones of hero and hyro only so the only one of ones you could pull are hero and hyro and then there's limited um like super short print uh serialized cards of the other um uh, characters and it's gonna it's it's twelve cards because it's hero and hyro and uh, the main characters of each faction that we've introduced so far. So for Hero Quest One, we introduced five factions. Hero Quest Two, we introduced another five factions. And um, on the singles of my 
the, the single covers uh, from Hero Quest 1 to Hero Quest 2. I've already been introducing the characters as the single covers. So you get you can like see it, but now you can get the story behind it. In the book, it tells you more about the the, the factions, the characters, and the battles uh, of what Hero needs to do to save the world from this this meteorite that's coming down to to destroy the planet. And he's got to collect these rings, these these pullet rings, um, and these factions. Each faction holds a pullet ring, so um, it's a. Uh, it's yeah, it's 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 pretty exciting to to share. There's also one extra card in there. It's a redemption card for exclusive merch, but it's a hero and high road alternative um, art pose. So that'll be another card that you can potentially grade. I think we're definitely making the card really you know exciting. The the art looks great. Um, uh, the card looks great. That uh, you know for card collectors, they they most likely won't. Uh, redeem it for merch and probably end up grading at PSA or, you know, where you know wherever they want to grade it at CGC, SGC, whatever. Back then. so that what that's really exciting. Um, now you're a collector. What's the move here? Is the move to open them or is the move to keep it sealed? Yeah, you know, I I, I I've been thinking about that because, like. MetaZoo, like when I when I look at like the first sets of anything, you know, I'm just looking at my own IPs. Like when MetaZoo dropped Kickstarter, the Kickstarter boxes they're dropping for fifty bucks, and at the height of of the MetaZoo Kickstarter run, I mean they were selling for like eleven thousand five hundred, twelve thousand really? dollars a box. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean they're probably settled, settled at like four or five thousand now, but they started fifty bucks. That's pretty and that was twenty five hundred boxes. So, like, this is the first set of Hero Quest. I'm not saying it's going to do what MetaZoo did. Um, I think I think it'll definitely go up for sure. It's only eleven financial advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'm sure. We'll, I, I hope it goes up. <laughs> you know, I hope it goes up too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I hope it does well because it's just it's my it's my IP and. Um, and no, but but you you make a great point, which is the first of basically anything is usually one of the most uh, historically significant or valuable things to any IP. The first Pokemon box was a couple hundred dollars. Now it's a couple hundred thousand. Clearly, the first right. Meta was up there. First, you know, sets of Topps baseball cards are millions of dollars. Now it's it's true, you know. Uh, NBA rookie cards, sports rookie cards, game debut jerseys, all that sort of stuff. The first is significant. Um, so that's why right. any any first is always interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I hope I hope it's it's $100 a box. I hope it goes up to $110, you know. I just hope it goes up, you know. That's what I hope. <laughs> I love it. Up, well, it's like, you know, the secondary market will decide if they like the cards uh you know if they it's like at the end of the day if they like the cars they like the story um then this is the start because we're we're doing after this this uh kind of launch because i really wanted to launch with this book i really want people to read this book i mean there's a, a cd of my album too uh but i i think you could obviously listen to the album on spotify or apple or whatever so i think people are going to get it for the cards in the book um but I, but this is selfish. I need, I want people to read the story so they understand, yeah. you know, the world of Hero Quest, and then, and then we're gonna drop 
the first it's the, booster box. It's it's the beginning of the next phase of your IP. That's really what it's all yeah. about. Uh, and setting the yeah, stage for, exactly. for you know whatever is to come in the future, and I, I love the in, in-person integrations too. I think I think it's really exciting. So I'm excited for you. I'm excited for everybody that that gets this and follows along. Uh, so I will link all that stuff so people can can find it. Uh, and Steve, thank you so much for doing this, and, thanks. and happy thanks, birthday man. again. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. See everybody next time. Peace.